Welcome to Straight Cut Nonsense, the podcast. Hi, James. Hi, Spencer. How you doing? I'm good, Tom. How are you? Pretty good. What, what, I don't know what Tom means. I, mean, I, I know what it means, but I don't like to acknowledge that I know what it means. <laughs> Yeah, you, that's how you failed your British citizenship test. Why did people start saying this and where did it come from? Oh, I have no idea. Like, you can't track British, like, slang or dialect. It's just such a podgepodge of everything. So, you hear something, you hear someone, like, maybe mispronounce something once and you're like, oh, that's a colloquial thing. And it's like, no, they just can't talk. <laughs> and to be fair, that's most of Britain. We just can't talk. Yeah. I did an English, uh, I did English language for A-level. And someone in that class asked what a verb was, and I was like, right. <laughs> I see. I That's see. That's really bad. So if you're not from Britain, and you think that we all speak like we're in a Jane Austen novel, it's a sick lie. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what sentences are. Fair. But otherwise, yeah, I'm good. Okay. Good? That's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something very exciting happened in my mind this week. Yes. Um... A car company who we have continued to talk about in every episode so far, all, yeah. all two of them. <laughs> oh, oh, what sponsorship? Uh, Hello. Yeah. <laughs> um, has released a, a new hypercar, and I think this will be our, our subtle segue into the new segment. Really? I'm yeah. going to pretend like I haven't seen this. Yes. I'll watch the man with a really long video. Please tell me. <laughs> so it was yesterday that it came out mm-hmm. the Bugatti Bolide. Bolide. Yes. A bolide as Stefan Winkum and the classiest man maybe ever. I don't know. He Certainly should... the classiest CEO of an automotive company. Absolutely. Of course he was the CEO of Lamborghini for a while. Of course he was. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, Bugatti had a virtual debut of their new hypercar. And this was exciting for a couple reasons. Number one, because there were rumors going around during lockdown that COVID had forced Bugatti to shelve some mysterious hypercar program they were working on. Uh And then what do you know? um, It was, I think, just a couple days ago, we saw the first kind of sneak preview images of the car testing. And we heard it. And we heard it. And then, like, probably two or three days after that, they debuted it yesterday online. See. And it is amazing. It's uh, mucho bueno. Yeah. I think, um, you know... Off the back of what we were talking about last week, which was the the endless special editions of cars and how we were initially skeptical of yes. this Bugatti yes. um, just being a, another kind of rebodied Chiron. Yes. They completely uh, did the opposite of that. Yeah, so they clearly listened to our podcast. Yeah. Changed the <laughs> script. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, so like, to any haters out there, uh, when we were talking, when we were trashing Bugatti as... Uh, I wouldn't say trash. We weren't trash. Definitely but we were criticizing their kind of scope. We were questioning. We were questioning their long-term strategy. Yes, and that was specifically with road cars, mm-hmm. and with the Chiron as a base car, which is like, and the kind of, kind of ethos of of the Chiron, which was being compromised basically by the limited edition ones. But this, because it's a race car, it's a track-only supercar. I mean, the world is better for more track-only supercars, to be honest. So, um, have at it, mate. Yeah, well, you know, so Bugatti made their name, um, I would say, 
first in racing in mm-hmm. motorsport in yep. Grand Prix racing, yep. um, and then after that by selling cars to royalty mm-hmm. or not selling cars to royalty because it turns out Ettore Bugatti was such a uh, self-indulged person that he would <laughs> sometimes deny royalty the right to buy one of his cars. Well, that's mine. Yeah, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's been the that has typically been the transition, you know, of great cars in terms of technology. Uh, drip down, let's say. Mm-hmm. It starts on the racetrack, mm-hmm. and then it finds its way into a road car. Mm-hmm. And the bolide we were worried was going to be the opposite, was going to be a Chiron that had been modified into a race car. Yeah. But I feel completely um, impressed and also convinced that this is not at all the case. And aroused. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of that. Yeah. For kind of us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, so, like, they released some stats and uh, for the vehicle. Um, and is it, sorry, 1,825 brake horsepower? Yes, correct? on race fuel, I believe. On race fuel. Yeah, on, something yeah, like I'll, that. Uh, not on race fuel, I think it's sort of 1,600. Right, right. Um, so, 0 to 60 in 2.17 seconds, which um, I, I'm not too bothered about that because... That's just a number, and I know just vaguely what that looks like. Also, the 911 Turbo S does almost that. <laughs> um, yeah. um, but the numbers after that are fairly... Um, it just seems like Gran Turismo. Yeah. Like, this car does 0 to 180 miles per hour faster than my old BMW goes 0 to 60. Yeah. It's three times yeah. the acceleration yeah. to 180 miles an hour. Yeah, it does not in nearly 240 in faster than my car gets to 60 <laughs> like that's i mean i mean yeah my car is a benchmark for like all cars so i understand you know you need that context everyone yeah uh, well the but, other thing they benchmarked speaking of benchmarks were yes. lap times around two certain circuits um the top gear test track and Brands Hatch GP, <laughs> right? No, right. I think I think it was actually um the the Tesco to Waitrose oh, yeah. in Oxford. Right. Of course, yeah. of course, yeah. Duh. <laughs> um, they quote it was it was Nurburgring. Yeah, it was a Nurburgring, which was oh, it was something crazy. It they were just they, five. It was it was quicker than any Le Mans car currently around either the nine one nine Evo. I yeah. think was the benchmark for yeah. both of them, and it was much faster than yeah. both. So, still bid. Yeah, but interesting that you know. Um, this car has suddenly appeared mm. on the verge of the new Le Mans hypercar class. Isn't that very strange? And isn't it strange that they quoted simulated lap times around two very well-known endurance racetracks? Yes. Isn't that just, you know, canny? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I absolutely love this fact. Um, me because too. <laughs> for me, like, you know, uh, in the beginning when the Le Mans hypercar class was announced, people were worried that the manufacturers wouldn't be interested enough and it would just be kind of a, a no-show event. But now we're seeing interest from most uh, major, you know, sports car manufacturers, I'd say. Yeah, I think Ferrari and Ford have, have exited talks, discussions about it, so I don't think they're going to be entering. But Peugeot, McLaren, Alpine... Uh, well, and the specul and the speculation about Bugatti, but I feel this almost confirms it. But yeah, yeah. we. I mean, I'm I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed. Y- you heard it here first. Yeah, straight cut nonsense. Yeah, Bugatti is in Le Mans hypercar Sponsor class. Us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, I hope the Lamborghini would, with their Ascensor thing. 
Yeah. Um, I hope, but I mean, and Aston Martin with the Valkyrie, obviously. Yeah. Which I think has sort of been the poster child for the hypercar uh, class since it was like announced. Was it? Was it last year? Two thousand nineteen, wasn't it? I think so. Pretty sure. And, to- yeah. and Toyota, obviously, with their homologation thingy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be really exciting because, like, uh, I watched an interview earlier on. Uh, uh, it was a car fraction interview um, with a famous Le Mans driver that I can't remember her name. Um, <laughs> wait, let me let me look it up. All right. Um, I I just want to mention again um, the significance of of departure in terms of design technology from the yep. Bolide versus the Chiron. The Bolide is three hundred millimeters lower mm-hmm. than a Chiron. So that tells you that that's a new carbon tub. You know, at least yeah. the top half of it is all new. Sure. And for me, the fact that it's got a, a, a new chassis and a, you know, hugely optimized drivetrain, it's not just the same engine, no. um, are the two things that I care about most in determining is this just a, another copy of an existing car yep. or is this something new? Yep. Um, and the work that they put into the weight savings was unbelievable. That is unreal. It's 755 kilograms lighter than a Chiron. Like that's that's about fifteen hundred pounds. And like bear in mind that they're still keeping this W sixteen engine. Like you yeah. obviously, but that's a huge engine. No right. regardless you like even if it's six, six, 16 cylinders, that's a lot of metal. <laughs> yeah. Like and they and they they've kept it down to is it thirteen hundred? Twelve hundred and forty kilograms. That's so stupid. It's ama- oh, that's just it's that, lighter that's than a Porsche came in GT four, like yeah. the seven eighteen GT four. Yeah. I mean, okay. So that's what impressed me most. I yeah. think uh, you, you. I think that also impressed you as well. It was the number one thing. Like, what the? F- yeah. How the? Yeah. Huh? I mean, the drivetrain alone weighs close to a thousand pounds. Yeah. The engine and the gearbox and the four-wheel drive system. Yeah. So what? How, how, huh? how are they doing that? Yeah, that's it's it's really amazing. Yeah. Um and uh, it slaps. Yeah. Just say. Yeah. Um, and it's a title flex. It is. On um, just huge. modern kind of. What what a car can be capable of? What yeah, I mean, still be cool be being called a car. And for me, it's it's a, a big flex on the newest electric cars too, mm-hmm. um, like the Avaya, for example. Yeah, I don't like that. No, but the Avaya <laughs> is two thousand horsepower. It similar, is. It's, it's a little up on power. Sure. But it weighs one thousand six hundred eighty kilos. Yeah. It's like four hundred kilograms heavier. Yeah. That's a huge amount. They're different things. Yeah, they're very different. It's a road car versus a. Mons racer, right. but I, I understand like what you're trying to say. Also, you'd expect Lotus, the kings of lightness and keeping weight down, to have made like road inroads into like making a light EV package. And I'm not that I'm particularly that upset about it because I quite like the Avaya. I yeah. think it looks fantastic. I think it looks fantastic. I just I, I hope it drives. If me. someone said well, you can have an Avaya or a Bolid, which would you take? Oh, Bolid, obviously. But you yeah. can't take it on the road because you chop someone's feet off. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> Good way to die, though, in terms yeah. of a driving experience, it's going to be on another level. Yeah, Even okay. though it's down on power compared to the Lotus, the, the weight savings and the downforce and stuff is going to be insane. Yeah, and the engine. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's the other thing. It sounds unbelievable it with sounds, no exhaust. Right, because I was so. When the Veyron came out, I was like, I don't like the sound of this. When the Chiron came out, I was like, I like it better, but I still oh. love it. It sounds a bit otherworldly and not in. Not in like a Bugatti Zonda kind of way. Yeah. When it where it sounds like what on earth? It yeah. sounds like a, an a, a mutant. Yeah. But in the best way. Um. This sounds 
evil. Yay! <laughs> we love evil sounding cars. Yeah. So can you imagine the Valkyrie screaming by and that just thundering by afterwards? Oh my god. It's gonna be This amazing. is what we need. We need a fan war. We need fights. We need like V8 supercar in Australia. We need like punch ups because right. of loyalty. Brands. <laughs> That's what we need. We need like a, a like yeah, we need to establish a wrestling ring in the middle of Le Mans yeah. to just have people fighting each other. We, we need all of these top brands getting back in the same race together yeah. and yeah. then specifically the homologation specials that come out of yes it. yes because okay the last few years at Le Mans I think like Toyota Audi and Porsche that's quite a good that, that's been a fun rivalry but it's hard to really get behind them when you can't even recognize the cars as like cars they're, they're certainly they're not just, the, the brand the prototypes yeah right and there's no brand identity in any of the cars but like to have the hypercar class where there is some semblance to what you know they make for the road just turned up to twenty. Oh my god, bring this will this will revive this will revive everything. Yeah. Like it's just gonna be so amazing. Oh, I'm so excited. Um not that we can actually confirm that Bugatti are gonna be in it, but oh, come on, it's just like come on. I'm waiting for them to just yeah, say yes we are. Exactly. Um, so uh yeah, pretty big news. Yeah, and um, it's also pretty much the only news we've had this week. Yeah, there's some stuff about the NGGT Black, but I don't really care that much about it. Yeah. To talk about it, and it's Neither not official I. news. It doesn't sound good, therefore it's not a topic. Basically, and it's about a lap time, so... <laughs> I mean, I care about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about for our main discussion point? Well, so, I'm going to take you on a... I'm going to spin a yarn for you. All right, right, let me get my yarn-spinning shoes on. Yes, as, as Betty Davis said in All About Eve, buckle up, fellas. It's going to be a bumpy ride. All right. Um, so, do you know what retrofuturism is? No, I do not. Okay. Did you make it up? I did not. This is a real thing okay. that I'm quite fond of. So, basically, retrofuturism is a style of art and architecture that arose in the 1970s, which depicted like, very classic images of what the future might hold. So, you know, like, the Jetsons and, like, rocket cars and yeah. rockets in, in, in cities and, like, it's basically Art Deco but space, like, <laughs> sci-fi. Space Deco. Right, and it looks amazing. It's okay. one of my favourite thing. I, like, I, I need to get loads of posters of it because it's just so, so cool. Um, and I guess the whole point of it is that it's it's... Uh, a culture looking back on what the current position would be, right? So, established in the 70s, it's very 40s and 50s in their style, but it's like a kind of vision of what the now would be. So it's basically a way of, it's like the culture is saying, uh, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not happy with them. The, uh, our current culture is a bit shit, so let's see what, <laughs> let's go back and see what everyone else thought this time period would look like. I'd be like, ah, oh, I'd be all whimsy and stuff, right? That's very cool. So, fast forward to now, where our, our version of retrofuturism is cyberpunk. So, do you know of cyberpunk, Spencer? Did you make that up? I did not make that up. Okay. This is a real thing, Okay. Bro. I'm the scholar here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, cyberpunk uh, was sort of established in the 70s and 80s. Um, and there's been a resurgence of interest in it, in terms of films and games. So, uh, it's basically depicts a world where 
uh, corporations have taken over and everything's in mega cities and high technology and yada yada yada. So there's a newly revived interest in that kind of stuff today. Um, and I think it's because our current world is so dismal <laughs> and so bleak and it's really hard to see into the future right now because I think we're all going to die in a yeah. giant sun trap death um, or the world's going to crumble. I don't know. I think there's such an interest in it because of that um, and because we want to reimagine our future in a completely different way, right? So, this is my this is my springboard okay. <laughs> to talk about. It's a big springboard. It's a big springboard. <laughs> this is my springboard to talk about nostalgia and retro, uh, retroism, I guess. Okay. In the world, and I want to talk about whether that applies to cars or okay. not. I like that. Uh, discuss. So, <laughs> so, in other words, do we think the the auto industry right now? is at a point where it would be better off backtracking a couple years or decades or whatever Mm -hmm. and looking to the future from that perspective? Yes, because culturally I think it's not necessarily a good thing to be so obsessed with what we've done and trying to bring it to now because it's just, I mean, nostalgia is just generally not a good thing. It's like thinking of the best parts of a previous time and comparing it to the worst parts of now. It's, Mm. It's not a healthy process. However, I think for cars and the motoring world, it's it's a bit different. I have a question. Sure. Um, would you consider going, like, thinking of an event just to kind of relive it in your head? Is mm-hmm. that nostalgia as well? I guess mm-hmm. so. Like, because you relive events, but only in the best way. Yeah, because, like, I don't think I'm ever nostalgic in a pessimistic way. But no. I do like thinking of things that happened that I enjoyed. Sure. Yeah? Sure. Like cars, think... for example. Right. But at the same time, you can still experience them. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Right. So that, that's my that's my springboard. So what do you think? What do you uh, like? Are there any? Do you think it's a, there's a problem with nostalgia and retroism because there's a lot of it? Yeah. So we were both trying to think about when this really came back into the twenty first century yeah. automotive uh, design language, and I guess you could say was it probably started with the mini revival of the mini the mini. The BMW yeah. Mini. Yeah, I would... That's, that was my first instinct. Um, and one that wasn't just a, a name, like bring, being brought back for a sort of innocuous right. model. It was like a literal... Proper this is revival. referencing the original car, and it's got design cues from the original car, like the giant fucking speedometer in the middle of yeah. that, which is stupid. Um, on a modern car, anyway. Um uh, and so I think that's probably where it started, and it kind of continued in, in the small car world with the Fiat 500. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think back when the new Mini came out uh-huh. you know, in, like, 2000. Um, Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't think of anyone who didn't like it. I think it was a yeah. huge hit, right? It was pretty pretty lo- well-loved yeah. all around. Like, yeah, like, I was super excited. Please? Yeah, okay. I loved reading the magazines about it. It got me more interested <laughs> in the original Mini 2, because yeah. I, you know, I hadn't been to England at that point. I didn't have right. much knowledge about the original Mini. Oh, yeah, um, Anglophile. Yeah, so for a lot of people, that was like their first introduction to the Mini as a car. And the fact that it yeah. was so true to the original in terms of the design and the philosophy behind it, the driving kind of... Well... You know, I, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say it's as okay. close to the original as it could have been in 2000. 
um, extraordinarily small on the inside, given its size. Is what I found. Okay. Well, in the back seat anyway, there's well, no yeah, space. Are you, are you telling I'm me there's back... I'm also six foot four, yeah. so and no Are you telling me, like, that's a, that's a terrible <laughs> argument. Well, I mean, the, the original Mini was a, was a masterclass in packaging. It was. And but are you I telling me you would have fit is... in that? Oh, my dad did. He's six foot five. I, I'm sure you could have fit, but... He had a summary for it. It didn't have a roof. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, oh, also, the Mini introduced, uh, made... The Italian job film with uh, yeah. Mark Wahlberg, was that? Yep. Yeah. That was epic. Hilarious. I love that film. I love that film. <laughs> um, so yeah, I anyway. think that's when it started. And that seemed to I be so. a general hit. Also, the Z8, wasn't that referencing the 50, 507? It kind of was, yeah. Now I think about it, the grill especially. At the yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Anyway, that was that's... a super retro looking design when it came out. It was. Yeah. I don't think it was very well loved when it came out either. I can't remember. I feel like it was... I think it's just polarizing. I think I, it I was. Loved it. I loved it, and I think it's well-loved now. I think... Yeah, I think... No, like, even thinking about, like, the original Top Gear review, they were pretty smitten with the design. Yeah. They had issues with other parts of the car, but... Yeah, sure. Design-wise, I think that was, yeah, another great example. So sad to see it get cut in half in that one film. <laughs> um, so, I was wondering whether... Re- bringing back a brand or a model and specifically making it as a, a homage yeah. to an original predecessor that was well loved, uh, also we see mm-hmm. um, whether what what the merit is behind that, like whether it's a true love letter to the car or if it's just a commercial thing, and I'm leaning to the latter because I'm a pessimist. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm gonna say uh, honestly, I think that the more of these things I see now, I really appreciate them. Yeah. Because I think the industry as a whole is going in a direction that a lot of automotive enthusiasts are not happy with. Right, sure. So when we hear the revival of a car that we do care about, a mm-hmm. classic car, I think it gives a lot of people hope that, you know, in some little way, things we don't like will be reverted back to things we did like. Sure. It's definitely, it's definitely a response to the current kind of car climate. Yeah. Um, with... The drivetrain packages being so boring. Like, yeah. Engines have no joy, no soul at all. And it's all, it's just so, ugh, I'm just so bored by the regular, every every person car. Um, apart from small cars, I'm always excited about small cars. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's such a lull at the moment. Yeah. You, it's only natural that you would sort of look back and be like, God, even, even, even like you know in Citroen C five like back in like two thousand whatever like it had like convex rear screen and it took loads of cues from the Citroen C six. I was like, that's an everyday executive car, but it's not boring. It looks great, and it was a pretty. My dad had one. I love that car so much. You know what I mean? So it's like, how is everything so boring? And things look the same. It's not even just how they're made and packaged and like what kind of engine and trans. It the, everything looks so boring. Like I, I, oh, you know what I mean. So I, so I, yeah. I, I see. I'm into. I'm in. I'm into. Two worlds at the moment. I'm not quite sure where I sit in the whole, retro kind of okay. revival, uh, kind of situation at the moment. Yeah, I think for me, um, it it really depends. You know, on on the brand because I look mm. for has a brand lots lost its identity. Sure. Um, 
And sure. the brands that have, I think, are the ones that have the most to gain from doing a kind of a, a you know throwback revival. Sure. Uh, I think BMW is probably a good example of this because mm. BMW used to be my favorite you know quote everyday car company. Yeah. Um, up until like the late two thousands, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they always had you know it was always the ultimate driving machine. We're gonna do. Front engine, rear wheel drive, naturally aspirated, high revving motors, limited slip differentials, manual transmissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all of that just slowly got eroded. Yeah. Uh, and for me, that that really defined BMW to me. And I think to a lot of people who, yeah. who got into BMW, you know, before this started happening. Yeah. And so they've lost a, a huge chunk of... You know, not necessarily their core buyers, but their core supporters. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, I think BMW have fairly insane enthusiasts. Yeah, like it's cult- absolutely. It's almost culty. It's like right. mid- midsummer, but the BMWs. <laughs> <laughs> like, and if you lose that, if you lose that enthusiasm for modern cars, it's obvi- obviously you can only look back. There's no way of looking forwards because everything is much heavier, much uglier more diluted in terms yeah. of like driving experience there's more stuff like like in cars in general but you know BMW we've also been like full drive X, X drive yeah. fuck off just uh, and it's I, the dilution that that I think also bothers me and and mm-hmm. I think a lot of companies are suffering with that a bit now sure but, you know it like I kind of liked the days when you could just pick like uh, a, a sedan and pick your size mm-hmm. or a wagon and pick your size or a convertible and now there's like crossovers, like all these kind of blended things that you never even thought you would see in the right. world. And you don't necessarily want them, no. but you don't <laughs> want them. So they're just kind of there now. And um, it hurts everyone. But BMW keeps on releasing these epic concept cars. Yeah. They have been, like continuously. Yeah. And the concept cars have always been like the, the, the throwback ones they do. Like they did the 328 homage. Yep. That was like that amazing thing with no doors and no roof. Yes. They did the CSL concept, oh, which man. was just gorgeous. I, I don't know how, I, I don't know, I, oh God, I don't know how they, 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 they looked at the general response to that and went like, we need to make this because it would sell by the fucking sell up the, yeah. the ass. Like, it'd be amazing. <laughs> just, and then most recently they had I think it's in, it's a Gran Turismo car right the BMW yes. Vision Gran Turismo yeah 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 which, which was also a riff on the CSL yeah so you can tell that car is very clearly based on a 2 series like the M2 yep and then it's just like a, all the bodywork of like a 3.0 CSL basically right and it looks unbelievable and if they made that it would sell out immediately completely it's like what's the the, uh, the the logique yeah. uh, behind it um so yeah and and we we can't necessarily just like hate on being be critical just to bmw because this this kind of thing's happening like across the board um maybe not in terms of like brand identity but like in the inclusion of components in cars that are a little uh, like there's more e e slippies slip slip slippers what? Limited slip differential. <laughs> <laughs> My friend called it a slipper once and I love that. There's more like, I think, is it, I don't know, I'd like to know a number of how many like mechanical limited slip differentials are like being sold at the moment. Yeah. They better be really low. But there's like electric steering racks, like more auto boxes, less manual gearboxes, like 
taking away the option even for a manual gearbox, not just like having it, you know, as like, a, oh, you can have a DSG or a, or a manual. It's like, do you can't get a manual anymore for like a lot of cars, which is really upsetting. Um, and of course there's more environmental regulations and, you know, more technology, I guess, that we feel like we have to use, I guess. Um, and all that also points us in the direction of wanting the way things used to be. Right. So this is what I was getting to at the beginning. Like, whilst I don't like nostalgia, I hate Stranger Things, for example, which is just a nostalgia wank. Um, I, I generally think, I think in the car world, it's, it's, I forgive it a lot more when we have this sense of nostalgia. Um, but I was, I, was, I was just thinking, like, with my perfect, my dream car garage, they were all, like, none of them were modern. The mm. most recent, the mo- the latest one I think was the Montelago, or it was the LFA. I'm not sure. Either way, very much old school. Now old school. What? And it's not even ten years. They're not even ten years old, but they come feel like they come from another world. Yeah. And like I guess that's our a natural response of any human. If things are moving along too fast, you want them to slow down by keep referring to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, I agree with you. You know. My favorite cars, there's a constantly shrieking, shrinking number of them that are current. Mm. Um, yeah. But I do have this kind of philosophy where I, I want my favorite car to be a current model. Yeah. Because if your favorite car is not something that's currently on sale, it tells you that the industry you love is going backwards. Yeah. Right? They're, yeah. They're, they're, something's going wrong. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, for me, the, the Pagani Waira, uh, the Roadsters particularly, cause it's lighter and stiffer than the coupe. Yeah. Um, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah. Is, is the still, you know, my favorite, like if I could just pick one car in the world, I'd pick that. But outside of that, it'd be really, really hard to name some other cars that I wouldn't prefer their older, you know, predecessor. Yeah. Um, well, I was thinking Lamborghini, there's no brand identity there. Uh, brand uh, identity loss occurring at Lamborghini. I mean, no. the Urus is like that's that's an Audi. That's not that's not Lamborghini. Yeah, either. but it's still it's got like the Lamborghini look, and I think it's I, yeah, it's, it's outrageous. People. Right, it's outrageous. Yeah. It's very loud. Um, not particularly beautiful because well, I mean, the Mira was, but like Kentash wasn't really, and the Diablo wasn't really. It was it, shouty, that's not what it was about. Shouty design, right? Yeah. So I think they're, they're they're keeping consistent. Yeah. And I'm like, even though I talk shit about Lamborghini quite a lot. Um, I can't fault them for going along the same road that they always have been, and that's quite nice. But Ferrari, arguably, are kind of... I don't know if they're in the midst of, a, of an identity crisis or they're getting out of it, but this, they, they had a wobbly moment last year, and we talked about that with their special edition cars. Like, what is... Huh? <laughs> what, like, yeah. What's going on there? Uh, like, and, yeah, so I wonder if, like... Uh, Making cars that refer more to the past is like almost an expression of panic and crisis within the company itself. I, which I we think need it, yeah. BMW to have desperately. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I think you're right in saying that because I, you know, do you think it's it's also correct that those are the companies that you want to see yes, these cars from? Absolutely, yeah. I absolutely want BMW, and I, I just particularly BMW because I'm like you, I love classic BMWs. I think they're great things, even. Even like the 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 United Two M three not that long ago, but it seems like it's from another planet just because it was sold to the manual gearbox and a naturally aspirated high revving V eight. Like 
I just miss it. I really yeah. miss it. Um, and, and you know, companies get taken over by different CEOs and things obviously change and that's fine, but I don't like change. <laughs> I, I think a lot of this, you know, has been driven by the perceived need for constant growth yeah. of a certain rate in terms of performance. Certainly. Um, so, for example, you know, I personally would have been much more fond of all of these BMW, Ferrari, whoever else, you know, um, continuing to build their naturally aspirated motors hmm. and just seeing, like, smaller increases in horsepower every year. Right. I, that wouldn't have particularly bothered me. No. But it's, they've, they've gone the opposite direction. They've turbocharged, and now they're piling on more power increase than they've yeah. ever done in history. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's like going up at an almost exponential rate. Yeah, and um, um, I think I might have mentioned this before, but I, I'm, I'm, sh- I think it's the nature of rivalry to want to outdo someone. Yeah, of course. Um, and when you're in the same sector as a Ferrari, or a McLaren, or a Porsche, you know you want to try and one up one another, and that's totally fair enough. However, yeah, it gets to the point where it's like, is this, is. Uh, I mean, you can't see this, but I'm like, I'm doing like a meme, like the shrug emoji. I'm doing the shrug emoji, like, like, yeah, you know. Um, So, so Porsche is the example that I wanted to bring up with you, because the Porsche 911 Mm -hmm. has been made in the exact same form, Mm -hmm. nonstop. Yeah. Right for decades. Yeah. Like sixty years or whatever. Yeah. Not not sixty. Well, yeah, about. Uh, yeah, yeah, about, yeah, about, yeah, 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 yeah. Getting there. Yeah. Um, it's old. <laughs> but that's a car that has never really changed. It's like, it's almost, mm-hmm. it's never lost its identity. Nope. And it's never, you know, so, so my question to you was, would you consider the 911 a throwback car? <laughs> um, I'm not sh- Maybe. Um, it's certainly, uh, one of the only brands that I think inspires people to get excited uh, still, and I feel like consistently always has. Like, there's never been a question mark, like, oh, kind of thing, uh, especially in rec- even in recent years with the rec- with the changes to the cars I've made. Not necessarily, like, in terms of its design or its philosophy, but, like, you know, changing components about... I mean, there's a, there a massive hoo-ha, I remember, with the 991, I think, about the steering rack. Think. Yeah, when they went to electric speed. Yeah, and the G3 yeah. only coming with a, 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 a PDK. Double, yeah, PDK, that's yeah. it. Almost a DSG. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, I, I, would, I would give them the accolade of being, if not a throwback, then uh, not... What do I want to say here? They're, like, pragmatic about change in a, in a healthy way that doesn't make themselves collapse in on themselves. Do you know, you, do you know what I mean? Like, like they, they can deal with evolving technology without losing their shit yeah, <laughs> or can, feeling the need can, to change everything. Yeah, and they can really yeah. fit everything they're doing into their narrative and yes. their history. Yes. I, for me, there's no other car company on earth that has better, you know, um, progressed while simultaneously keeping in line with their history and their original mission than Porsche. Every single car they've done, I feel like, has been, you know, you can directly correlate that to a point in their history. 
And of. and I don't think there's any other company. I mean, you have a smug look on your face. No, no, no. Tell me a model. No, I'm 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 sort of I have a wry smile because I'm like struggling to argue against that, <laughs> but I really really want to. But I, yeah, no, you're right. The nine eleven came you know directly after the three five six, and it's been nine eleven ever since. Um, the Taycan, the newest car, an all electric car. Porsche's very first car was an all electric vehicle. It's in the Porsche Museum. You can see it. Still. Yes, right. Yeah. The Cayenne. Okay, that's an SUV. But look, they did tractors. <laughs> They're not that far apart in terms of the ruggedness. Sure. The uh, Panamera was always something that they had looked at throughout periods since like the late sixties, early seventies. They had stretched nine right. eleven prototypes with right. four doors. So like diversity in their lineup has has always been a part of that, or something that they've looked to. Yeah, and, and they everything you know, even the the engine choice, right? When they decided to mm. use um, the four cylinder turbo in the seven eighteen. Okay, no, people didn't like that. But they could go, you know, look, we can film this PR shoot with the original 718 Spider, right, which has, things. guess what, a flat four-cylinder, and the new 718 with a flat four-cylinder. And it made perfect sense. They were the yeah. same type of car, mid-engine, open top, you know, they shared styling DNA. Right. And you could go, okay, that's clearly an evolution of, of their history. Yeah. When I first heard about the, seven, the 718, um... <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't realize it was a reference to the uh, to the spider, uh, initially. Um, I thought they were like literally pegging it as like a mini nine nine eighteen, <laughs> spider, and I was like, wait, what? No, <laughs> no, 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 ma'am. This is not happening. And then I was like, oh, okay, right, cool. got it, got it, got it. Because like that's why they seven seven one eight. Yeah, is one of my favorite race cars ever. Yeah. It's such a it's gorgeous. It's, it's cute. Yeah, it's adorable and it makes it, it makes such a good sound. Um, yeah, maybe that was. The one, I wouldn't even I wouldn't necessarily call it hiccup the four cylinder. Because, that's not that's a bit that's a bit severe to call it hiccup. It was just kind of it was like a, unfortunate. It was a question mark. Yeah, it was a question mark. There you go. Um, and that wasn't, but that wasn't with the nine eleven. It was that emoji with no mouth, right? Just the two eyes. Yeah, all, all <laughs> the all the eyebrow raised. Yeah, all, uh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't exactly you know the little guy who like has his head on the desk and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, it wasn't exactly that, but that then that wasn't with the nine eleven range. So there's reason to be like, well, if they're going to be experimental and try and switch things up. It, I guess, it's best if it's with a, with a range that is less classic. I yeah. guess. Um, so yeah. Um, so you would say that Porsche is a range where you like. Oh no. Do Porsche you, is for me the example of. The strongest car company with zero need to do any type of yes. throwback or retro model. Okay. Because you could argue the 911 is that. Right? Okay. It's just never changed. Yeah. But other companies, you know, who have completely, like, lost their way, BMW being mm-hmm. a prime example, mm-hmm. could really benefit from doing a model which, you know, references a point in their mm-hmm. history when they were... Yeah. Do you yeah. think Audi have done the same? Because they've got those stupid, like, uh, that, that grill thing that's on, on the noses now, and they don't work. They're completely non-functional. That little slit at the top. Yeah, which is yeah. like a ref- which is a reference to it's like a reference to the the Urquattro and the Sport Quattro. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They got all of them. Well, they got in the R- the R eight certainly. The A one did they have on yeah, the one. Yeah, they have it on the A one. They have it on all the A ones. That's just crazy. It's stupid. That's I, really stupid. Yeah. And like, I'll be the first to say I think Audi's design team are extremely boring. Really, I just I, whenever I see an Audi, I'm like, oh god, yeah. like a bat's fall asleep. 
Um, but Audis have never, like, styling has never really been a strong point, right? I'm sorry this, to anyone who thinks Audis are no, beautiful. No, I was, but... I was, yeah, no, but I was actually thinking this as well. Like, when I was, I was like, God, Audis are really boring. I was like, have they ever been really, like, stunning? They haven't. No, they've, but they've always been really technically impressive, yes, I would say. Yes, extremely well built. Yeah, and for me, I think that's cool. Like, that, those, yeah. that's a unique, you know way to position themselves which so, they have so we're saying that they're German <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically um, yeah uh, so I guess yeah that's not really I actually like you know most current Audis on the road yeah I think the design looks pretty clean it's not like it doesn't draw me as a customer no. but I look at it and I'm like I'd rather look at that than some other generic thing I think what my problem with it is that I look at it and I immediately I'm like oh that's a Volkswagen Group car not even necessarily an Audi yeah um, because That's they fair. all kind of look Audi, similar, Volkswagen, same, but Seat. similar. Well, especially with the Q8 and the Urus, I'm like, yeah, right. One's just a bit more shouty than the other. Yeah, like those are you can shockingly similar. You can literally see they're the same. Yeah, and one costs a lot more, but yeah. not not a huge amount more, but still a lot, like a decent amount more. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so Spencer, I have a question. Okay. Is there a brand or model? that you would like brought back as an antidote to today? That's a good question. Um, you have five seconds. All right, well, it's going to be going off what we just said, so bring me a modern CSL. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I agree. Like, if that Gran Turismo car was a real model, mm-hmm. I would rob a bank immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, what would mine be? Uh, I guess, what would it be? I don't know. How about one of your hot hatches that got killed off? <laughs> okay, actually, fully, <laughs> 100%. The Twingo 133 Renault Sport. Start from the bottom, work your way up. That's so sad. <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> no, okay. No, yeah, I just think what needs to happen is a popularization of manual, not incredibly fast hatchbacks. Because the GTI, the Golf GTI, which is has a lot of retroism going into it, with this the tartan seats and Gorgeous. the red strip, which I really like, and the dimpled gear knob, right? The golf yes, the golf gear knob. I'm like, that's cool. It's it's perhaps slightly gimmicky, but it's it's, it's quite awesome. it's quite fun. In it brings something fun to an otherwise not boring car, but I th- I don't know about the new the new the new golfs. I'm not entirely sold, but you know, yeah. like. The Golf GTI is currently on its own in its sector. You mean because it's so low on power compared to everyone else? Compared to everything else, yeah. And, yeah. and cheaper, but not a huge amount cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's still it's yeah. it's a cheaper alternative to these 400 horsepower stupid effing cars, and it's still front-wheel drive. So, like, yeah, I think I think probably a hot hatch uh, in that kind of world that kind of competes, either with the Golf or even lower. Like, bring back, like, the Panda 111, HP, <laughs> like, dude, that is just such a badass little car. That is not fast at all. It's it's like so slow, but it's so fun. Like, and the Twingo, and you know, all of these tiny little, like, like the Polo GTI does not count on this list. Do you like the Up? Just I do curious. like the Up. I, I love, love the Up. Yeah, I'd get the Sco- the the uh, Skoda. Yeah, because. I like Skoda's and it looks like it's got a moustache, uh, <laughs> which is really cute. But I do like that 
that car. I yeah. think it's really, really cute. Um, and, I, you know, in a way, that's a fantastic thing to focus on because we really need more small cars in the world. Well, like, if, you can't, if people can't afford fast or fun cars at the very least, if not fast, then, like, you just... You're just ousting people from enjoying cars. I mean, currency is yes. Yeah, and and that aside, I'm I'm thinking mainly in terms of just you know sustainability. Sure. Yeah, that too. That we. That too. Yeah, we, we literally so. need more small cars in the world and less big cars. Yes, that's stupid crossovers, and and just to like derail the enthusiasm with the <clears throat> with SUVs. Like, it's really a shame that Aston Martin has to refer, like has to go to SUV links to yeah. kind of sustain its its brand, even though it's apparently a very good car and like one of the best driving SUVs is still an SUV. So I I don't particularly care. I would say Aston Martin are actually are pretty good at keeping in tune with their own drum. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um because they're very expensive and for the price point a lot slower than the real competitors. <laughs> <laughs> But it has to be said, but, somehow cooler. Well, it's got they've got the charm, they've yeah. got the style, and I, you may not say that all new Astons are stylish. The DBS is DBS stunting, is, yeah, antique. unbelievable, beautiful. Um, also ridiculously fast. Yeah, um, and expensive. Very expensive. There you go. It's got the perfect it's, that's formula. That's the Aston formula. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah, I, I, I would, I, I would like. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous to say this, but I would love like a very vantage like overhaul where it just is like the bare bones of like what it the previous generation and it's but that's like it's only the previous generation though <laughs> so it's like it's it's not yeah but that's just I guess an issue with the branding of that car like as a <laughs> as an AMG GT with a different body I guess yeah but I would like some I think Aston are doing a good job with like it's not retro. But it is keeping in, keeping it's in with staying what true to their very much so and company, like, yeah, yeah, because they're like they're kind of always the underdog, and they always, I hope they always are, which I think is why the V Eight Vantage inspired like no love, because it wasn't an underdog. It was actually it's just a really it's actually a very good car, but everyone's like oh well like I'm not rooting for it now. <laughs> like, right, you right. know what I mean. Now that Aston has tried to make it, you know, as good as the competitors, they've turned it into something else. Yeah, they've exactly. Turned, it's not Aston anymore. Um, so yeah, uh, so yeah, that's kind of where we sit on the retro, uh, nostalgic, well, I will say that, like, in terms of, like, mechanics and, like, how a car is built, some things are better in the past. Like, as in, some things from the past are better than what we utilise now. Okay, give me an example. Uh, well, like, it was, like, the hydraulics steering and, like, I mean, very simple things, but, like, stuff that's kind of going out of vogue. Yeah. And it's not necessarily, is it worse? Is it better? Well, hydraulic steering's tough, right, because that was done mainly for efficiency gain. Sure. Um, the move from hydraulic to electric power steering. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, at first everyone was up in arms, but now... The same journalists who were up in arms a couple of years ago mm. are saying that all the latest systems are just as good, if not better. Mm. So, in a way, you know, I can see that as it was certainly a blip at the time, and I was not happy about it yeah. when they first came out. But now it seems like they've they've worked that problem out. Okay. All in right. my opinion. Okay. Here's a question for you. Sure. Turbochargers. Yes. Do you think that turbocharged cars, in a world where you can have naturally aspirated and turbocharged engines. Do you think turbo cars 
should go back more to the old school turbo approach where it was like nothing, 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 holy shit? <laughs> or do you think they should try to mimic the naturally aspirated experience? Um, I don't think you can mimic the natural, naturally aspirated experience in terms of sound anyway. Not in terms of sound, but power delivery. It's uh, just a, a linear, you know, power delivery. Well, I guess, like, the best way to talk about that is with what's currently on sale at the moment in terms of, like, turboed power units. Uh, and, like, McLaren apparently very good. They, they, they sound... They, uh, honestly, they just... They don't sound... I mean, the P1 did, but, like, the 720, the 600 LT, RDR, they don't sound... Not really, Like, no. super turbocharged, and from what I've seen, because I've not driven one. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, um, in terms of, like, the, the kind of the retro experience, where some technologies were better in the past yeah, than they are now, yeah. what, what's more exciting, do you think? I mean, it would be a crazy thing to consciously decide to make a turbo lag for half the rev range. Yeah. And then just, XJT20 just like, or something. Out and horsepower. then, like, fully projectile vomit. Power. Yeah. <laughs> it would be kind of illogical to do that because I feel like that was uh, a misunderstanding of how to utilize turbos rather than like an actual design feature of the driving experience. So yeah, I mean, it's certainly um, thing of the past. I guess that's the point of of nostalgia that is not transferable to today. To today, the kind of quirks of a driving experience that exists because there wasn't enough development on it. Yeah, and I guess that kind of that's something you can't really replicate and if you do that's just like really cheap it's like why do you make a car worse like for nostalgia <laughs> for the sake of like oh do you remember in the 80s when like cars just like supercars yeah. were dangerous <laughs> like like it's so yeah it, it's it's a different it's a it's a it's a two-sided I can see both sides of yeah like the pessimism and the optimism with like retroism and nostalgia and stuff culturally I think it's like a sign of kind of immaturity, <laughs> generally, because it's like, just, just get on with today, you know what I mean? Like, but I think, I don't, I, I don't think, I don't think it's a bad thing to be referring to the past. I mean, you can, and also, if you can, if you've can, like with the 911, if you've kept that model range for however long it's been in production, you're going to be referring to the past because it's a model that's been there forever. So, in some ways, this is an entirely pointless conversation, in some ways it's not. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where we sit on the whole retro uh, nostalgia kind of thing. And also, like, I love classic muscle cars. Why do you not want one that drives like one for the modern day? Yeah. With like okay pillowy suspension and too much power. This is how we're gonna end the episode. Okay. Nate, we're just gonna list every retro inspired car we can think of in a yes or no. After uh, it, okay. Okay. Let's start. Current Mini. No. No. For me too. No. Um, the 2000s Mini, when it first launched by BMW. Yes. Yes, for me Just. also. Okay. Fiat 500. Yes. Big yes. Especially the new one. Yeah. The E1 is very cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> E-Mac Mustang. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't even count. <laughs> yeah. That's just an abomination. No. I mean, that's yeah. actually, that actually does not count. Yeah. But the Mustang. The Mustang. The real Mustang. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Camaro? No. Yes for me. Okay. Uh, um, Dodge Charger. Big, Charger, yes. hard, stamp of approval. Yeah. Fuck yes. Yeah. Uh, Challenger, it's a no. It's a yeah for me. I wouldn't buy one, but I like that it exists. I like seeing them. All right. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, what else? My eleven, obviously, is a yes for you. Huge yes. A huge yes for you. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, oh, the SLS Goldwing. Oh, when it came out. Yes. 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 Very big yes yeah. for me as well. I was when it first came out. I was entirely sure. Mm. And now I'm full yes. New Supra. No. Fuck no. No, because this is a four and the Z4 it's, it's the Z4 really, is the yeah. worst looking car on sale. Yeah. Worst like Sangyong. They've like <laughs> they've rebranded themselves. Nothing's that bad. They're fine now. <laughs> and now, like now because Sangyong don't exist in like an ugly capacity, BMW yeah. have to bear the brunt of it and they have to make the worst oh is the Z4 worse than the than the M4? No. I think it is. I know. I think from the side it is. No. They both have insane overhang that it's just filth, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Is that the models that we could think of that are retro? It seems like it. Um, or like, you know, retro. Yeah. That's all that I'm I'm thinking of at the moment, to be honest. Yeah. For GT. Um, soft, yes, but then the 2005 one hard hard yes I would completely agree with that yeah 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 um new Corvette no yes uh, yes yes because the original Corvette was meant to be mid-engine it was no I, I it's just because I don't like the current styling it's not because I don't fair. like the idea of the car I, I think the Z06 will be a yes for me well we've both like talked about this like we feel that the base model of any Corvette from C6 like especially from C6 to now, has it felt like it was designed at a ZO6 stage and then downgraded to like a bit kind of... Mm. Yeah. And then, yeah, so yeah. that's, that's going to be a hard yes for me. Uh, what do you think about the Stingray badge on the back? Uh, the use of that? Like kind of pointless. I, I mean, I like the idea. I'm not sure how much it carries over. No. Like, you know, I don't think it translates particularly well. Mm-hmm. But I do like the Stingray badge. Alright, cool. Uh, so, thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh, this has been a chat about retroism, nostalgia. From straight cut nonsense. And how, uh, yeah, and how, how it's not a simple conversation, I don't think. Um, no, I think it's a case-by-case basis. It is definitely a case-by-case situation. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, there is no car equivalent of Stranger Things, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone makes it to the end of this podcast, I'd yeah. like to hear some of their individual vehicles that are yes. either a yes or a no for yes. the whole retro design thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That'd be fun. Yeah. Cool. Um, I would say like, comment, and subscribe, but we don't have a YouTube channel. So or an Instagram. Or an Instagram. We'll work on it. Yeah. We'll think about it. We'll think about it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have a long pause. <laughs> yeah, like, mm, we'll hold our chins and look into the future. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, see it. you next time. Goodbye. Bye.